Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 24 and continue the story of how Paul ended up in Roman detention or custody for four years, two of them at Caesarea and about two of them at Rome itself. So we know that there was this riot that took place up at Jerusalem when Paul was minding his own business, carrying out uh, the sacrificial requirements for the end of a Nazarite vow for himself and four other guys. Uh, And the Romans grabbed him in the midst of that riot, assuming that he was the troublemaker. But soon they figured out he really wasn't the problem. But he actually was a Roman citizen that they were responsible for protecting his rights. And so those rights have been further threatened by a, a plot to ambush him and kill probably a few Roman guards in the process. So the tribune, the highest-ranking member of the Roman military at Jerusalem, makes the decision to bump Paul's case up to the procurator, that is, the Roman military governor of Judea province. And so uh, Paul is sent off in the middle of the night uh, with a bunch of Roman soldiers and horses, and then uh, he finishes uh, the second half, the second leg of his journey uh, only on horseback, probably galloping uh, with uh, the horse soldiers the rest of the way until he is secure at Caesarea. Now, he is placed into a room somewhere in the praetorium complex that had been built by Herod the Great. Uh, You may have forgotten, but the entire port city of Caesarea was built under the direction of Herod the Great as a great showpiece of how Uh, the Judean province was to be entered from the Mediterranean. Uh, And it was a massive man-made harbor and lots and lots of, uh, of beautiful decorations as well as arts and, uh, and uh, uh, sports venues uh, that were part of the Augustan games every five years since the founding of the city of Caesarea, or the dedication of the city of Caesarea back in 12 BC. So when Paul arrives, uh, he's kept in the Praetorium Seaside Palace that's between uh, the uh, theater on one side and the uh, racetrack on the other, and then the harbor is just across a little uh, bay, Uh, from the Praetorium. How do I know all this? Because I've been there several times now, and uh, I always try to take it all in that this is where the Apostle Paul spent a couple of years of his life. Uh, So he is told by Felix, the procurator, 
I will listen to the full accounting of your case after your accusers arrive. And that's what happens starting in chapter 24. After five days, so five days including the day that Paul arrived. So probably a a couple of days for these guys to get their act together, and then it's two days travel uh, from Jerusalem to Caesarea normally. So after five days, the high priest Ananias came down. That tells you he considers it very important. Now, I remind you again, this is Ananias the Younger. Uh, His father was the one that was high priest when Jesus was put on trial and crucified. So this is the son 25 years later. So the high priest Ananias came down with some elders, that would be members of the council, and a spokesman, one Tertullus. Uh, Tertullus is a professional speaker. Uh, He is a lawyer type, and he's come here to prosecute the case. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, So Paul, as a Roman citizen, has a right to confront his accusers. So they all meet together in the audience hall of the praetorium. And I think I know exactly where that room is. Uh, And when Paul is brought in as the accused, and he is in chains, by the way, at this point, Uh, it's not uncommon for a Roman citizen who has been accused of very serious things to be kept in chains. For example, Herod Agrippa spent some time in chains uh, when he had been accused of Uh, defaulting on a whole bunch of his debts and trying to avoid paying them. Uh, But eventually, he was acquitted uh, by his his friends in high places, and uh, he, he managed to get himself a gold chain of the same weight and style as the iron chains that he'd been wearing during his detention. So, the Apostle Paul is accused, but he is not your typical prisoner. Uh, He's detained. So he comes in and has to listen to this accusation. Tertullus said, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms have been made for this nation. In every way and everywhere we accept this with all gratitude. Now, I can tell you right now that Tertullus is, is he's schmoozing him. He is trying to butter him up. Uh, now, Felix has been uh, in country as the Roman pref- prefect or procurator uh, since 52. So, since this is 58, he's been there six years. Uh, he's even married Uh, the younger sister of Herod Agrippa II uh, as part of uh, his going, uh, becoming part of the culture of this area. 
but this guy, Tertullus, is trying to make him think, we really think you're great, and we know you're going to rule in our favor. Typical lawyer talk, right? But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, using a little medical terminology, you know, one who stirs up riots amongst the Jews all over the world. So he's not just a problem here in Judea, most recently Jerusalem. He's been causing trouble all over the place in Jewish societies where they, you know, interact with Gentile societies. And he's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. And so that was a pejorative term uh, about those that were following Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah. Verse 6, he even tried to profane the temple. That's the accusation that they're going to really hang everything on. Uh, We've talked about this idea that the temple shrine building had a courtyard around it uh, that was called the Court of Israel. It's where the priests did all their work, and that's where Jewish men in particular, uh, who were ceremonially clean, could meet with the priests and go through ceremonials uh, attached to the worship of the Jewish people. Now, in order to get into that inner courtyard area, uh, you had to go through a barricade and up some steps. And the barricade was clearly marked at every place that you could enter it with the following placard. Any Gentile found beyond this point is responsible for their own death. And so this was an indication that the Roman authorities had already given permission for any Gentile found in that secure zone, that Israeli-only zone, to be executed. Uh, There would be no quibbles about it. Uh, But in Paul's case, he's been accused of taking a Gentile beyond that point, but it didn't happen, so they could not find the Gentile. Uh, But they'd assumed, they'd assumed that the same sort of penalty ought to be assessed toward him. That is, automatic death penalty. Romans shouldn't quibble about it. Romans shouldn't be involved in this. This is a a Jewish internal affair already settled. And so that's what he says, verse 6. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. Uh, So their their case is we were only carrying out authorized judgment against this man when he was taken away by one of your soldiers. And so we insist that you let us finish what we legitimately started. Verse number nine. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. So a little bit more testimony from people that 
were on the side of the high priest. When the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul replied. So here is his response. Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. Now, you could say that's a little bit of schmoozing, but it is nothing like what Tertullus just did. And again, uh, he's actually stating a fact that this man has been in Judea as a Roman official for the past six years, and so he knows some of the things of the culture, especially since he's actually married into the culture. So Paul's quite happy to make his defense to him. Verse 11, you can verify that it was not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. So that's how quick this turnaround has been. Uh, Paul left Caesarea, went up to Jerusalem, made a report to the church, was encouraged to go through a seven into an eight-day ceremony of Nazarite purification rites with four other guys, which he agreed to. And he was most of the way through that when the riot happened. And then he was arrested and detained. And uh, then the decision was, because of the plot, to turn him around and bring him back down here to Caesarea. So all that has taken place in less than 12, or, or about 12 days total. Verse 12, And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. So he basically says, I was minding my own business. Apparently, Paul was not even engaged in his typical teaching ministry during this time. He took some reflective time off for this ceremony of cleansing after the Nazarite vow. So he wasn't teaching in the temple. He wasn't teaching in the synagogues. He wasn't teaching in the marketplaces. Verse 13, neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. They cannot prove to you that I escorted a Gentile into the Israeli-only area of the Temple Mount. They can't prove that. But this I do confess to you, that according to the way, which they called a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. So he says, I can tell you right away, I am definitely a member of this way about Jesus. I believe in the inspiration of all the scriptures that tell us that the Messiah would lay down his life, bodily resurrect, ascend on high, and be the point of salvation for us. That's what I believe. Verse number 15, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept. So apparently the guys on the other side, at least several of them must be Pharisees. Having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So one of the other things that's part of the Christian faith is we believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus after his atoning death, 
and we believe in the bodily resurrection that will take place of every Christian at the trumpet, at the second coming, after which Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords will mete out justice, uh, rewards to the righteous, and punishment to the unrighteous. Verse 16, So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. You may remember he said something similar to that uh, in his address, his attempted address of the Sanhedrin, that I've lived my life in good conscience every day up to this point. And so uh, even when he was persecuting the church, Paul sincerely believed he was doing God's work. And so he brings that up here again. Verse 17. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. So he's been away on his third missionary journey for a while. And he says, I've come back from that to bring special gifts to a lot of the poor people amongst the Jewish society. And we know that when he came back after his third missionary journey, he was accompanied with a, a whole bunch of people that were carrying lots of cash, lots of money, lots of silver. Perhaps a little bit of it was in gold uh, that was going to be used to uh, fund uh, the impoverished believers throughout Judea, perhaps up into Samaria and Galilee and down into Idumea as well. So everywhere within the Holy Land, where poor believers in Jesus existed. That money was being brought back for that purpose, and he was at the center of that. So he says, I came to do that. I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. That's a reference to the cleansing offerings, uh, finishing up the vow. Verse 18, while I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. So, again, I was minding my own business going through ceremonies. And uh, if, if some of the information we can glean out of other documents from this time, Jewish documents from this time, like uh, Josephus, are correct, uh, those that were doing vows at Jerusalem would sometimes adopt a, a priestly mode of living. And so they would stay in the temple complex the whole time, and they would go barefoot uh, and uh, offer sacrifices every day and eat a, a prescribed diet. And so that seems to be what Paul is saying. I, they found me going through all these sacred procedures, minding my own business in the temple. Verse uh, 18 continues, but some Jews from Asia, and then he throws this out. They ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council, other than that one thing that I cried out while standing among them. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you this day. So he says, it's, it's those Jewish guys from Asia that, spread the lie, started the riot. If anybody should be under investigation here, it should be those guys that said things that weren't true 
Unless, of course, you want to count the fact that I started a little bit of a mini-riot because I mentioned that I subscribe to the long-standing traditional belief of the Jewish religious people that there will be a resurrection from the dead. Because when I brought that up, yeah, things did get kind of out of hand in the Sanhedrin Council. So Paul has presented, I think, quite well a summary of his defense. And uh, Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, so he, he's been in country for six years, remember. He's married to a Jewish lady, the younger sister of Herod Agrippa II, who is, by the way, a very religious man. Uh, but he has soaked up a lot of information over the time that he's been in country. And so he put them off. That is, he put both sides off of rendering a decision, saying, when Lucius the Tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Now, what we're about to find is that Felix has ulterior motives in dragging this thing out. And that ulterior motive is learning that Paul has been recently associated with a lot of money. Now, I am hesitant to put any specific value on how much money uh, has come uh, to Jerusalem with Paul and his associates uh, at the end of the third missionary journey. But let's suffice it to say it must have been a bunch. Uh, there had to have been tens of thousands of believers in uh, Asia province, in Macedonia, in Achaia province, perhaps well over 100,000. So even if one dollar of value was kicked into the special offering, that's $100,000 or so. If they kicked in $10 value each, then we're already at a million. So you can see that if Felix did any type of investigation at all, he would know that Paul and his associates have arrived in country with perhaps millions of dollars of funds. And he would like to tap into a little bit of that. And we know that that is part of his character uh, historically. So he uses the idea that the Tribune Lysias was not part of the uh, team that came to testify today uh, as a reason to postpone. But verse 23 says, He gave orders to the centurion that he, meaning Paul, should be kept in custody, but to have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So another reminder to us that he's not a um, literal prisoner kept in a cage. Uh, he is a detained Roman citizen awaiting uh, the disposition of his court case. So he's, he's wearing chains, but he is receiving visitors freely 
uh, there at his room uh, in the Praetorium Palace. Verse 24, after some days, Felix came with his wife, wife Drusilda, who was Jewish. So this is the younger sister of Herod Agrippa II and of Bernice, or Bernice, as you'll probably more often uh, hear it in English. Uh, their story will come up later. Uh, so they've apparently been away, and now they're back to Caesarea. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. That doesn't surprise us a bit, does it? Anytime Paul gets a chance to talk about the gospel, he does. Verse 24, And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. So it scared Felix because, you know, Paul is telling him, you need to repent or you will face eternal judgment at the hand of a holy God. And that scares Felix. And so he said to him, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. Verse 26. Now you find out I was not just blowing smoke a moment ago. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. So he knows that Paul and his associates that have free access to Paul, they have access to a lot of cash. And so a bribe would open the door for Paul to walk out by Felix declaring him completely innocent of all charges. But because they don't give the bribe, Felix drags it on. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. So he's had plenty of conversations with him, always hoping that Paul would say, what will it take for me to get out of here? But Paul never does that. And so when two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. So finally, his bad behavior catches up with him, and he is recalled to Rome and replaced by Porky. 